everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Drab in the Baskets. I am Mike, your host, back with Price once again. We are recording this a few hours after the outcome of the not-so-great 2023 NBA draft lottery. Saw the Pistons fall from number one to number five. There's about a 48% chance of this happening. That doesn't really make it any easier at all, to say the least. So... Uh, we're here just to talk about what comes next. And one thing I just want to start this out by saying is that, yes, tonight's outcome is very disappointing. And I might sound a little bit different because I <laughs> uh, just in interest of full disclosure, had uh, a few drinks tonight. Uh, nothing special. Uh, oddly enough, you know, there's some, some, some real things have happened this year. But for whatever reason, the draft lottery was like, you know, I could use a drink. Um, I'm not a drinker. I've had uh, about three drinks in the last three and a half hours, which would be nothing for most people. Um, I don't know why I even mentioned that, but uh, it's, you know, feeling a little bit tipsy. Whatever. Any case. Uh, so the Pistons, and uh, sorry, I know, you know, Price, you just listened to me talk here, so I'll be done in a moment. But <laughs> uh, I mean, my thoughts are my thoughts going into today, just to focus a little bit more. Um, you know, my BAC right now is probably at uh, roughly zero. <clears throat> So I don't even know why I mentioned the part about being slightly tipsy, but uh, my thoughts about you know going into the draft lottery tonight with the possibility of the Pistons were going to get number five was that no matter which team you are, you're almost certainly going to have to hit on a draft pick that is going to be outside of the top three. You're going to need to, I mean, you think back to like the Donovan Mitchell to sort of player who comes later in the lottery. It's, it's very, very rare that you have a team. I can't think of a recent champion who just had like a bunch of really high picks and they built a championship contender that way. It would have been nice, needless to say, to get Victor Wamanyama, but it didn't happen. And the Pistons are going to have to make do and you just, you're going to need to either hit on a pick or make a good trade, whatever else. Mostly you're just going to need to hit on a pick that is, that is outside of the top three. And that's where the Pistons are right now. Um, all right. All that said, uh, price, uh, probably a question to which I already know the answer. What's your feeling right now? Oh, uh, I should notice. Uh, I should note, by the way, first first things. Uh, we had a cool draft lottery watch party on Discord. If you want to join Pistons Discord, discord.gg slash Pistons. Uh, and if any of you are listening to this who, who showed up for that, I want to thank you. It was a good time. It was not the result that we expected, but uh, I think we you know, had, had a good discussion. It was, uh, it was an enjoyable time. So, all right, moving on. I mean, Go ahead. During, the, during the actual draft uh, process, I was, you know, fist bumping as, you know, Less and less names were being called off. You know, no one was moving up. Then pick five comes around right before the commercial break, and it's the red, white, and blue. And I think I the entire commercial break, I just was letting out a death rattle um, type sound. Their words were beyond me because it's less the fact that we didn't get Wembyama, and it's more the fact that we also fell down to five. It's, so it's like that double blow that was going on it's like wow really just the absolute worst case uh for our draft pick position happened and you know it's at least he's in the west um at least the spurs aren't aren't gonna be anything too dangerous for a little while but man would be nice would would have been nice and yeah i guess the next component is that I I think that where we're headed um, as a franchise is 
likely out of sort of this trough that we've experienced in the post Blake Griffin era, if you will. Stan Van Gundy era. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was a trough of a whole different uh, kind, if you will. For so sure. um, <clears throat> where what's going on now is that this is sort of that last real chance to get quality young talent in the organization without having to trade for it. And pick five is all things considered a very good pick. However, it's also <laughs> pick five. Uh, yeah. Four picks before us. <sighs> yeah. It's not yeah. ideal. Say the ways. It's just not yeah. ideal. It's just it's yeah. just so tough. I have I have no no real words other than then as a Pistons fan today, uh, today sucks. Yep. But it'll be fine. We will carry on. You hope They're... so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we already got lucky once, so I guess we really couldn't couldn't have asked for too much more. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Pistons. If you aggregate the last three lotteries, had a forty-two percent chance of getting number one. So technically, they've come out ahead. <laughs> no, that That's doesn't true. take into that doesn't take into account. I mean, you had a higher a higher likelihood, a good likelihood of getting number two or number three as well. So the Pistons are behind in terms of odds. It does change things a little bit that you're not getting a chance at you know the three guys who really appear to be the high level talent in this draft. But like I said, if if you're a team that wants to win a championship, you got to win either a draft pick that is not in the top three or you have to win a trade one of the two and and so this might force the pistons onto the ladder path who knows i mean i wouldn't count them out uh, you know it, it, it's possible that you draft somebody who's not one of those top prospects and he turns out super well i mean it might sound like we're just talking cope but we are in a way i mean obviously it, it's not the outcome that we wanted but it doesn't necessarily mean doom. I think we can agree on that. <clears throat> so, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit tonight. We're recording this about, goodness, what was it, about four or five hours after the lottery? And, yeah, I, I had an engagement I have to I had to go off to for, uh, you know, for the last three and a half hours or so that I was fully planning on skipping if the Pistons won the lottery. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that didn't happen. <clears throat> so, oh, yeah, it was, it was just a dinner, but... So this does change things for the Pistons. For example, you know, you grab number one, you get Victor. It, it changes your team in a fundamental way, of course. You know, if you get number two, Pistons, I think ultimately probably would have gone with Brandon Miller, but probably would have traded down. But it, it does change things in terms of what you need to look for in free agency in the future, what you need to look for in terms of possible trades in the future. Basically, how things will change unless the draft pick you choose ends up being more than you would expect. So why don't we start with whom we might see as the Pistons here? So why don't we start with this? What we see is the likeliest pick order for the top four. Yeah. Which of course That's... goes to the Spurs, the Hornets, yeah, the Blazers and the Rockets. And I'm happy the Rockets were number four. And oh, if there yeah. Were, yeah, if there were a team that, that Victor had to go to, would it have been anybody but the Spurs for you? You know, it really felt like fate. Pops last year, one of his last years. Um, they haven't really been that bad up until this year. Um, they oh, seem to do tanking. Bad. They yeah. seem to do tanking perfectly. You know, 
they they bought him out one year. They get Vuaminyama, bought him out back in the nineties. Get Tim Duncan. Seems seems decent. That's <laughs> There's a decent symmetry to it, of course. Yeah, there is. I would have. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I would have to say if there were a single team, I would have wanted it to be the Spurs for three reasons. You mentioned, number one, they're in the West. That's nice. Yep. Number two, Greg Popovich gets a great project to work with and is but probably, I would imagine, be his final few years and arguably, I would say, the greatest NBA coach of all time. Number three, they are the furthest away of any of the you know the teams in the top eight from actually competing for anything, <clears throat> like anything at all. So... You know, if you had to go in number four, I would say, you know, the unnamed number four, they aren't a team that I dislike, like the Rockets, for example. I don't really <laughs> dislike the Rockets, but I don't dislike the Spurs at all. And, and they're a class organization, an absolute class organization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as bad case or worst case outcomes, this is one of the better ones. So, yeah. Um, I'd say the best, probably. It, well, also because Houston got drugged down with us. They they yep. fell pretty hard, too. And they had moved down over this last few years of being in the lottery. So if we were due to, we already dropped, obviously. But they they really needed to drop. And I'm glad, you know, although they're above us, and we'll get to it, I'm glad that they're also feeling the burn. <laughs> <laughs> Shot and fraud, huh? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in terms of who jumped into the top three, uh, you know, who ended up with the top three picks, I don't feel too bad about that. I mean, sure, I get, you can call that minor shot and fraud as well. But they're not from teams I dislike, and they're not from teams that I would feel threatening to the, you know, that, that, that feel particularly threatening to the Pistons. The, the, um, the Hornets are an incompetent, excuse me, they're in the East, but they're an incompetently run organization. And, you know, even with the number two pick, I don't feel like who knows, maybe this this statement could come back to bite me. Um, but I don't I don't feel like they're a tremendous threat. And the number three, of course, was the Trailblazers, and things could get quite interesting with them, depending on who is picked number two. But let's get to that. So picks one through four. Uh, you know, every I feel like this is the fourth episode we've done, I believe, or fifth. Yep. And uh for the last three episodes I've asked you to start the episodes completely and utterly pointless questions. Like who's going first? Who's going to go first in this draft? What do you think, Bryce? Uh, he plays for the Metropolitan's 92 or 90 seconds or whatever weird name it is mm-hmm. out there. And uh, mm-hmm. his name is Bilal. No, sorry. His it's name Victor is John Wimble. Cena. Yeah, his <laughs> name's John Cena. His name's Bilal Koulibaly, um, who's his teammate, who's also going to be drafted this year. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know that prank, the John Cena prank? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. And his name is John Cena. It's actually it's John, John Cena. <laughs> yeah, John Cena would not do well in the NBA. No. Yeah, no. You know, can't switch. He's not tall enough. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So obviously it's Victor, number one, potentially yeah. franchise-changing prospect if he can stay healthy. That's really the only concern. Number two is where things get interesting. Yep. So that's the Hornets. You've already got Lamelo Ball there. You do. Uh, my, my opinion is that they will take Scoot. I think they would be fools to pass on Scoot. Um, I think it could be a really fun offense. Also, mm-hmm. probably a terrible defense, which seems uh, pretty out of hand. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. That's one thing that immediately clicked when I saw that pick. Even in through the pain, I was like, "Wait, that defense is going to probably be really bad." But um, wait, but Plumley, 
Uh, Plumlee's gone. Never mind. Oh, darn. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be oh. interesting. I don't think it's a bad fit necessarily with Lamelo no. and Scoot. I don't think it's a horrible no. fit. No, it's it's just every team is going to have liabilities that they need to address, and whether or not they address them ultimately determines how far they go. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds reductive, and it kind of is, but the idea is that you'll have two dynamic creators, um, one bigger, one smaller, kind of like what we have here in Detroit, but um, maybe with a little more uh, of excitement, per se, than than what we have in Detroit with Caden Ivey. Mm-hmm. And um, I think no, wait, we just said more, more or less excitement, more excitement. They might be just the okay. more flashy <clears throat> pair. Um, they might be just because Scoot's a little more athletic, a um, li- little stronger, a little better at kind of controlling pace already than Ivy is. Yeah. And, and LaMelo of course is just highlight, highlight real pass after highlight real pass. Um, yeah. Whereas Cade can do that, but it's more subtle, at least not as ostentatious. Um, but you know, you just build build with you know, nice two guard rotation and see where it goes. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, one of the things that I noticed this year is that Lamelo doesn't really love to drive into the paint. You know, I mean, this this is his third season and. His percentage of shots in the restricted area has persistently dropped. Hmm. He has just preferred more and more to just take pull up threes. I mean, you look at like his uh, his three point attempt rate has risen from thirty nine percent to forty five percent to fifty three percent in his last season, and his his percentage of attempts around the basket have dropped commensurately. Uh, I don't think like super highly of Lamelo in terms of uh, I've I've thought less and less of into, uh, of him as, as a lead guard. And as a hard worker, he's still an incredibly skilled playmaker. He's still, a, you know, he's still got a great handle. But just his trajectory has changed in such a way that I don't feel necessarily, I don't feel like it would be a bad thing to play him next to Scoot and kind of relegate Lamelo to more of a guy who can just come off screens and shoot and be a secondary playmaker from the perimeter on in, have an easier time. I don't, I just, I don't think super high of Lamelo. I think he'll be a good player, but I wouldn't feel horrible about him playing secondary playmaker. And no. I, I think they'd be foolish to pass on him. I agree on Scoot. I agree. Yeah, it, obviously, I we, we don't know where the front office of these organizations are at, where they're they're leaning. But I think that Scoot would be um, just a nice cornerstone to add next to Lamelo, and you got Mark Williams already there, and mm-hmm. start filling out with with wing talent um as it comes and see see what what you kind of do this mini rebuild that they've been on and um i think i think it'd be a fun team so yeah i i like that idea um pretty happy scoots there of all places um could be could be quite fun those are fun yeah. players that get to yeah play it could together. be fun yeah i mean they've got a long way to go in terms of filling out the rest of the roster oh, of yeah. course and that team's book night uh, flop um, of a pick <laughs> really looms large. Yeah, that hurts. I mean, I'm sure. I'm hope they're still. I mean, I'm sure they're still hoping that it will get uh, that he will get it together. Anybody's guess as to if they will. Mark Williams, I still feel like is more of a regular season player. The, the Hornets are just a team that has dealt with endless futility. I'm not necessarily yep. confident that adding Scoot. I think the best move for them would be getting rid of Michael Jordan. 
and that's a possibility. <clears throat> but who knows? I mean, you sign Gordon Hayward, he can horribly stay healthy. Uh, PJ Washington is, yeah, PJ Washington is, you know, fourth, fifth option kind of guy. Whatever. I mean, so that's another plus of the the Hornets getting number two is that they're unlikely to be very good anytime soon. So, number three, this is an obvious answer, but you know, who do you think Portland takes? I think Brandon Miller goes third. I agree. But I don't know if Portland keeps the pick. Interesting. If you think they can trade it for somebody, uh, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of that they could trade it for a win now kind of guy. It right because they're the kind of exception of all of the teams at the bottom this year or this season. They actually have a star, like a real star at the end of his prime, which is a very win now type of player. Um, and Brandon Miller, as great as we think he could be, is not going to be ready for big playoff minutes right away. Um, I think he could be a useful player in those situations, but I don't think you he will be maximized and he won't help maximize Damian Lillard. So in that case, if they are keeping Dame, I could see this being a massive bargaining chip to foster some sort of larger trade um, where Brandon Miller goes third, but... He, he is puts on the hat of the Blazers and never again. Do you have any thoughts as to whom they might trade Brandon Miller for, trade the pick for? I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'd, I'd really even have to just look at the standings here to think about, to see if I can, oh, come on, NBA.com. Don't give me, uh, there we go. I have to go over to ESPN. You're just going to give me a bracket. Yeah. So, yeah, if we look at it, I mean, it would have to be a team that's kind of on the periphery uh, that uh, is maybe looking to get under win now contention. Yeah, that, that'd be something to think about. I wonder who that would be. I wonder if, for example, they would trade that pick for Pascal Siakam. I think it would be a terrible idea because Siakam is, uh, I believe, past 30 at this point and is looking so at a max Lillard. contract. So yeah. Lillard. So. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put that outside the realm of possibility. I'm not sure. I think number three may be a little bit too rich for just Siakam alone, given Toronto where Toronto finds still. Yeah. Toronto isn't. <clears throat> Toronto has a, uh, a high pick this year. Yeah. So, well, it, where is Toronto? Where are they picking this year? I can't um, remember. Gosh, They're not too high. Yeah. No, because it's late lotto. They were, but... No, yeah, they were a play in team. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking Siakam, for example, and Toronto's pick, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, to Siakam is, wait, is Siakam an unrestricted free agent? I don't think so. I think he's got one more season left on his deal, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, so Siakam is under contract this season at $38 million. So uh, I'm not sure about Portland's cap space situation. It'd be kind of a lateral move if they needed to use their, you know, if they just lost Jeremy Grant in the process. Yeah. So right. in any case, yeah, we're getting pretty deep into it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they could trade it, but I agree that Brandon Miller would be the pick. And, and here's where it gets interesting. Sorry for the sound. I got to silence my phone here. Here's where it gets interesting in Houston. And I think we agree on this one. Uh, I think Houston, and again, all of this is subject to these teams keeping the picks. I think that Amen Thompson would be the likeliest pick for Houston. I don't see them picking a non-ball handler. Yeah, and I, so it's weird where a lot of the Houston fans that I, I've seen online in the last few hours are very anti 
either Thompson twin. Um, I've even heard that some of the beat writers don't see Amen as a likelihood, but when you do the math of KPJ, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is not it um, very definitively, and they have no handler to pair with Jalen Green or Jabari Smith or Tari Eason or Shangoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a clear need. So just get a guy who can actually initiate offense, be that plus passer who conducts the choir, conducts the orchestra, if you will, um, hyper-athlete, uh, potentially really good def- uh, defender, um, good size, obviously, with the measurements that came in. I think Tom Eamon Thompson makes a lot of sense. And yeah. <clears throat> they just need to warm up into it a little, just like, yeah, it's it's going to be okay. Um, because you have Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, and I think both those guys can at least stretch the floor, so you're not as worried about uh, Thompson's lack of shooting in that context because, well, you have two, you'll have a really, really athletic backcourt, and Tari Eason and Jabari Smith um, are exciting, big big wing-ish prospects, so Mm -hmm. I'm actually pretty bullish on that fit for them if they elect to go for it so that's who i would mock at least yeah i would just be surprised to see them go with a non-ball handler put it that way yeah you know yeah Kevin porter jr i think we can agree is not it i mean he's one of these demonstrations like it was a big deal when blake Griffin scored 50 for the pistons back in 2018 things are very different in the nba now kevin porter jr i believe scored 52 something 50 something a couple seasons ago yeah. Uh, sadly, in my opinion, sadly, I mean, it's just not really that big of a deal anymore. Uh, that's just how offense is. Players are more skilled on offense. Players are progressively just coming in with stronger and stronger offensive skill sets, and defense is that much harder to play. Um, when Blake yeah. scored that, that was right at the beginning of the freedom of motion era. You know, that, those rules in 2018, whatever the case. KPG, KPJ, I hate to put it this way, is unstable, unreliable, and not a good playmaker, and not a very good defender, which is kind of an issue next to Jalen Green as well. Amen Thompson is an upside swing. He is excellent upside if he yep. can make it. That's a big if. The Rockets are more of a slower and rebuilding team than the Pistons right now. It's been a little bit messy. Things went wrong with the last coach. There are issues with the locker room. Uh, they're not. I mean, that, that's, that's something the Pistons haven't had to deal with. I, I think they take the upside swing. I can't see them swinging on anybody else. Like Cam Whitmore doesn't really move the needle quite as much for the Rockets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're betting on Eason. They're betting on, on Jabari Smith. They're betting on, on Shangun. I have doubts about his ability to play defense in the playoffs. Sure. My guess is yeah, my guess is that they will go for a lead handler, and that would be Amen Thompson. There's really no other option. You can always draft for fit, but I think he has the highest possible upside also at, at number four. Yeah, I think it's it's a nice intersection between fit and upside. So hence best player available. Yeah. So we're somehow 25 minutes into this episode already. (laughs) Time is really flying here. (laughs) So uh, we come to uh, the team that is number five in the lottery. Uh, Also the team that is the subject of this podcast. Uh, It's it's an NBA team that plays in Detroit. Uh, They go by the Pistons, used to go by the Fort Wayne. Uh, Fort Wayne's all in their Pistons. Uh, Now they play in Detroit. I'm just joking around, obviously. Okay, so we get to the Pistons. And, you know, here's obviously... You know, what we're here to talk about, I would say this is where things get interesting, but 
So as wow. I see it, yeah, but yeah, I know it, this is very insightful what I'm saying, obviously, you know, this is just a really, really deep stuff. Yeah, not exactly. So I feel like there are a bunch of factors here. Like, um, <clears throat> how does the front office think of feel about the current backcourt, for example, or the, or the current core, which I, which I believe amounts to Duran, Cade, and Ivy? Uh, do you go for an upside pick at this point? Do you go for just a strong 3 and D pick and just say, okay, we'll make a trade later, or maybe we try to sign Jeremy Grant in the offseason, which is, you know, which is unknown, you know, best possibility. Um, team needs defense. Team needs size. Do you care about that right now? Um, are you, you know, we know that winning is going to be the priority next season. How much is winning the priority versus the versus development? Does Tom Gores become involved again and said, I, I want this team to start building a winning culture, which I think is, of course, I think this is nonsense. It's a nonsense term. You got to have the talents, you got to build right. So that's going to inform whom they pick. And I know that you and I both think that there's a collection of prospects, like the four likeliest ones being Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Grady Dick, and uh, and the guy that neither of us want, Jaris Walker. Yep. So, uh, you know, there's obviously, <laughs> this is not an upside. But, I mean, if you're a sports writer who is not a fan of the Pistons, then this is a great outcome, you know, because now you get more content out of it. I'm not saying, yeah. like, oh, Tria. I'm not saying, like, oh, you traitors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how dare this be like the you know good outcome for you? But how do you see it working out? It, this is going to be such a fantastic litmus test of where the front office is at. No matter what happens, either we move it, we move up, we move down, we stay. Who we actually use that pick on? If we stay, do we draft for? more upside and say we expect internal development we're going to sign some guys we're going to hope to push for the play-in um and we're just still going to grab high upside while it's here or do we go for the guy who's going to elevate that floor be more plug and play fit maybe a little more cleanly with Cade Ivy and Duran um and whoever else we we uh have on the roster um it it's wide open. This is the most wide open selection. I think I said on a previous episode that I was on, it's two and five are, are the, the, the really tough picks in terms of the the discussion because two it's, you know, between Miller and Henderson, whereas at five it's it's a giant question mark and how the front office proceeds is really gonna tell us where we're at, where they're at, and where they think they're going and how quickly they think they're going there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as I see it, they're a great way of putting it, that it's just a litmus test. As I see it, there are, of those four, I mean, I'm going to focus on, I, I'm going to focus on three of them for the purposes of this analysis. You could take Cam Whitmore, who is kind of like, Sort of the upside, you know, he is sort of the upside pick. He's not the ultimate upside pick, but he is like the most logical upside pick if we're putting, if we're looking at that category, you can look more. Uh, you have uh, Taylor Hendricks, who is, uh, of, of the guys who could take a number five, I would say the most NBA ready, and the guy who's going to provide the most value, he has the highest floor. You have Grady Dick, uh, aka Jumbo Kennard, uh, who would be like the ultimate floor pick, in my opinion. And then you have... Somebody random like Leonard Miller, who is the ultimate upside pick. And I would be yeah. surprised if the Pistons that went that way. 
Oh yeah. Shocking. Yeah, that, that would that would yeah. I, I think we'd both be extremely surprised. Uh, then you have Jarris Walker, who's the pick to make if you hate like watching if you hate life. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think <laughs> I know we. I think very. I, I don't want Jarris Walker to be the pick. Maybe I'll eat my words, but I, I don't think he'll be the pick, and I don't want him to be the pick. So if you had to pick between those four options, like you know, watch go upside uh, at four with some upside, which would be Hendricks, uh, just four, which would be Grady Dick. And extreme upside, so we can roll number four out because we both said we'd be shocked. Whom would you see as the likeliest there? I know Grady Dick is kind of like a sleeper, but whom would you see as the likeliest? Yeah, yeah. I th- uh, another name in that Grady Dick territory is is Anthony Black, who I think is a really high floor, um, okay. really high basketball IQ. I um, haven't researched him yet. I'll be honest. Yeah, there. you'll you'll get to him at yes, this point. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah um, just. I'm just throwing him in there for he's gotten a lot of top 10 buzz, especially lately. It seems like teams have been warming up to him. He tested really well at the combines. That always helps things with the public narrative, at least. Um, But just going from the the floor, like, do you want a guy who provides a lot of ready-made skills who can plug in and enhance where where this team is going in the immediate term because we want to start playing competitive basketball, playing quote-unquote meaningful minutes deep into the season. So that way it's not just a slog where we have to find meaningful minutes in between piles and piles of garbage. Um, Or do you go for Taylor Hendricks, who is a high-floor player, who also has a high ceiling? It there is real potential for him to be an incredibly elite defender at the NBA level. His combination of size and athleticism and defensive instincts and defensive motor mean that he could really be a a legitimate stretch five in a small ball lineup Mm -hmm. and be capable of handling that, that load for extended periods of time. And he's young too. He's, he's not like a finished product type player. So, or do you go for kind of a medium to high upside like Cam Whitmore, who could actually be a 20 plus point per game scorer, but has a lot of concerns with his floor, at least in terms of putting everything together. The the tools are there, but is the toolbox there with Cam Whitmore? Yeah. And we see a lot of flashes. this, This guy has, of all the people we'll, we'll talk about over the next month or so before the draft, who's a likely Pistons pick at five, he'll have the best highlight reel, the best tape that, mm-hmm. that a, a fan just browsing the internet for five minutes. Oh, what's Cam Whitmore's game like? Oh, he's amazing. Mm. The problem is, though, is that he doesn't put that together on a consistent basis. And, yeah. and that's kind of the question is... Mm-hmm. Do you ba- where do you put the balance? Where where do you yeah. put the 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 ultimate sort of decision weight on? We're gonna learn What's so much. About, we're gonna learn so much about the the actual um, Pistons um, organization with this pick. No matter what happens, picks yeah. one through four, I could pretty much four a little less so, but I could pretty much feel like what they were gonna do. But five, mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah, 
Well, I don't know if a one through four. I feel like if the Pistons aren't very interested in Amen Thompson, I mean, we'd be having the same discussion at four. But well, then, then at least yeah. Amen Thompson, you could see if anyone else wants him and then trade down. But yeah, that's with, a good point. With, with pick five, and and the team who is picking at four, where Amen Thompson's a pretty clean fit, at least from an outside perspective. So yeah. Amen Thompson might not be there to trade. So yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see how how we are in this vortex of possibility and um it's this is not an easy job this is going to be weaver's biggest test mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean you have cam whitmore who whom i agree has probably the highest ceiling i mean i, I haven't researched anthony black like i said but out of out of the four you include yeah. jerris walker there uh whom you know, whom I would include probably has the highest ceiling, but has question marks like his shot right now. He shot a good percentage on catch and shoot threes, but low lift, slow shot. It'd be hard to get that off the NBA level. I mean, he's he's very athletic. The guy has a first step that makes you, he's just sneaky. Basically, he's up to speed, up to full speed by, you know, by one or two steps. He's got great two-foot athleticism. Uh, he's very strong. Yep. You know, be be a solid wing at the same time. Have to get that shot together. Is like a really his passing is a major question mark. Yep. Uh, you know, as as just a creator versus a complimentary guy who's attacking closeouts, attacking mismatches. You know, you don't know don't know what that is. He's not a great one foot weaver without a runway. So it's definitely an upside pick. Versus Taylor Hendricks, whom I agree has very high defensive upside. He is, you know, he's got good size. He's about you know, close to six, eight and a half, I believe. Seven foot wingspan. He's like, a, I'd say like a 70, 75th percentile athlete. And he's got good instincts. He's a really hard worker. Uh, you know, he, he provide that sort of defense that this lineup can really benefit from. He's highly switchable. Like you said, he could even be a small ball five. He can hold his own at most positions. And he's a, he's a high percentage three-point shooter with a high release where the upside gets a little bit lower is that his handle is bad, and he has got the questionable future as a creator. On defense, Cam Whitmore has a questionable ceiling because his awareness doesn't really seem that great at all, and you never know if that'll get better. And then, you know, again, the the ultimate floor pick of Grady Dick, who's likely to be a very good shooter, but has questions on defense and is a creator as well. So you kind of got like three levels there. I don't know where Jairus Walker fits into this. Yeah, Jairus Walker is just that that type of thing where if you if you really think he's going to be more like the high school version of himself then oh he he kind of steps out of that role of being a bigger or sorry more athletic smaller less physical beef stew mm-hmm. type player and okay he actually can be a connective tissue passer in a, in a very real way on offense that could be quite exciting to uh, marry with the the defensive upside and <clears throat> intelligence that he displays. Very intelligent think, player. Yeah, I think um, the defensive upside. I have questions about his switchability on the guards. It, and that's if if we look really heavily on the the, the Houston tape that he uh, um, put out this year. It's I I'm with you there. I'm not sold on Jarris Walker at five, especially mm-hmm. if we trade back. By all means, sure. I I could I could absolutely stomach that at, at eight, but at 
at five? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of like the other guys um, just a tier ahead or a half tier ahead enough to to want to take them. Yeah. I For those of you who were, you know, who were around for that post-lottery discussion, you've already heard me say this, but I think that Walker has been very oversimplified as a more athletic Isaiah Stewart, you know, which would be conceivably enticing. Uh, it does leave aside some of Stewart's shortcomings, and, and sure, those are largely athletic in nature. I mean, his touch also isn't that great, but Isaiah Stewart is like in the 100th percentile as far as work ethic on the court and team focus. He, this guy would do anything, and this is how I felt about Bruce Brown when he was with the Pistons, even though I didn't think too highly of his capabilities at the time. I mean, these guys will do whatever you tell them to do. You know, this is what's going to be best for the team. If it's take zero shots, then they'll do it. And Isaiah Stewart on offense, if it's Isaiah, I want you to go barreling full speed into the other team's center. Not every possession. He would do it. Jarris Walker pulls up for jump shots right inside the three-point line because he doesn't want to drive into contact. He just does not use his physicality on offense. He is not the hard worker that Isaiah Stewart is. And he got questions about his switchability and the ones and twos. He got questions about his three-point shooting. I agree with this. I agree with your characterization of him as a connective tissue passer. I think it would be less useful next to next to Kate in particular, also Ivy. Yeah, I just I just don't want him at number five. Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty well. Um, some people are are higher on Walker, and mm-hmm. I think that it's not unreasonable to think that he's an option at five. Um, that's sort of the whole mix. This whole mix of different names that we're getting is that there's a lot of reasonable options, even if we don't prefer them that Detroit's going to have to consider. And there's so many different directions we go from here. Cause I, I said this in the, the discord as well, which is that last year five felt like, okay, we're locked in. We're, we're just going to take um, our guy and, it was going to be it, Ivy or Matherin, yeah. I think it, yeah, it was going to be Ivy or Matherin, or, or we had a trade down you know, sneakily in place if Ivy didn't fall and we were going to draft Duran a little earlier. Um, it, it felt like we, we already had a plan of like what, what was going to happen. And maybe Troy's going to figure something out here or not. But man, this it, it, it really felt like um, the, the Pistons had a – were, had a really solid idea at five of what they wanted to to acquire and who was going to be available mm-hmm. this year. Not so much. No. Yeah. We knew there was a chance Ivy would fall, fall to five. The, there is almost no chance that that Miller falls to five. Oh yeah. I'd be shocked. I mean, maybe if a report comes out that says, Oh yes, definitely. This guy knew all about the gun. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only answer that that would make Miller drop a whole lot further than five, most likely. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. that 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 could conceivably cause the NBA to withdraw, you know, to to freeze his draft eligibility overall. If this guy were potentially involved in a murder, the NBA would get involved with that. I got to think. Yeah, look at what what the NBA is about to level jaw in the coming days yeah. or weeks. Yeah, um, that would that would make it harder on even harder on Miller. Yeah, exactly. exactly it would be really really bad and he would be undraftable um yeah so at that point i don't think that's going to happen so do i so unless barring some strange occurrence where you know teams just feel differently than the public conception to a very wide degree 
there, we're not going to get a father like Ivy. Ivy was gifted to us, and I just don't see that that really happening. So mm-hmm. this is where we pivot. Who do you got? Yeah, exactly. That's that's just what I was about to ask you. So <clears throat> I, I feel like sixty percent of this. Well, geez, if Weaver didn't have the capacity to come completely out of left field. Um, so I would say at this point, probably Whitmore is the likeliest pick as the guy who might be able to serve as the third option, you know, the conceivable third option on a championship team. So I would say 60% probably Whitmore, well, call it 55% Whitmore, and then another 35% Hendricks, and then another 10%, I don't know, Jarris Walker, if they really like him, but I doubt it. Uh, and if you go with, if you go with, uh, if you go with Hendricks, it's possible you trade down with Orlando, for example, who might have some interest in, you know, in, in fielding a backcourt of say Fultz and Whitmore. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, that's actually not a bad option for them. They, you know, no. they're not, they're not altogether strong, uh, power forward in, in Von Caro and eh, kind of like a mad defender in Wendell Carter Jr., you have Jalen Suggs, who has been less than impressive so far. Constantly injured doesn't help. And Cole Anthony, you know, the his best is the bench flamethrower. I like Hendricks. Here's the thing. You know, I think he'll be a fairly high level 3 and D player in the NBA. And of yeah. course, everybody will have a tendency to say, oh, well, you know, me, you know, Mikel Bridges or something like that. Uh, I mean, he really, you know, I don't want to make that comparison. He really fits into the Detroit ethos. The guy is, is a rugged defender and a super hard worker. And a smart defender, and the Pistons need that, and they need the size. Yeah. It's just the upside, and you know, and, and his measurements are great, and his athleticism is pretty good. Yeah, and and the Pistons need all of those things, but the upside as a creator is a big question. You know, is this worthy right. of a number five pick? Where the Pistons stand right now? How do they feel about the the guys currently on the roster? How do they feel about their ability to make, if necessary, a trade in the future? How do they feel about their ability to sign the likes of Jeremy Grant? Because you know, feel the bad front court of of Taylor Hendricks and Jeremy Grant. I mean, that's pretty strong. So, and yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. When you put it like that, it, it does start to make the the outline of of Hendricks really starts to make sense because he can play next to Duran, and you, or if you want to go super wide out five out you can pull Duran and play Hendricks at the five for stretches um that I, I think that in in Hendricks you know we can get into this more and maybe a specific episode he really excels at that help side defense well mm-hmm. if Duran sure. continues his, his progress and doesn't have to be like hung out to dry all the time by his teammates he could be that drop defender then we have a help side guy to assist him, to assist everybody, which is super, super important in NBA defense. I mean, just go, yep. go watch Draymond Green. Um, and that's kind of the the archetype that I could really see working. And these 3 and D players are mm. very rare. And, yes. and, and we, we talk about it a lot, but, but there's always caveats, whereas Hendricks is big potential four five type three and D player. Those types of guys are never available for a they reason. They don't grow on trees. Yeah. No. It, yeah. It's not like just go out and add some three and D wings. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. And you have like this enticing idea. Like if you can, well, you probably have to overpay Jeremy Grant. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get him to wherever you get, 
But yep. let's say you get a Jeremy Grant type, and then you know Ivy has the is the you know the shortest and and the least long player on the team at you know six foot nine wingspan thereabouts. And you've got K, but seven foot wingspan. If you got Durham with what, like seven foot five, Jeremy Grant seven foot three, Hendricks at seven foot. I mean, it's an extremely long, rangy. Beats two off the darn, bench. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, exactly. Pretty darn athletic. I do not want. It's pretty darn athletic team. I don't want. No. Uh, I, I hate. I, I really strongly dislike the fact that the acquisition <laughs> of Wiseman has shoehorned Isaiah Stewart in the power forward because I think it's just a bad position for him. Yeah. He doesn't have an ideal position, but I think it's worse than center. Uh, so. No, I absolutely do not see him as the long-term power forward for this team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's what Hendricks gets you. Cam Whitmore, you put him in there. You have higher scoring potential. You have more risk. Uh, the fact his defense may never develop. The guy may just be dumb on defense. That's a possibility. Yep. And then you have two yeah. two minus defenders um, yeah. On guarding the wing. Yep. spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's called... Um, uh, uh, Bad? bad yeah that's just that's just called a matchup and hunted uh yeah not ideal no way yeah that 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 you can handle one bad defender and even them even they will cost you as we saw with uh jamal murray in tonight's game to date this podcast a little um jamal murray got into a uh, some serious foul trouble and and couldn't close out as tightly on the guys. So basically, LeBron just took Jamal Murray in, in, off a uh, pick and rolls, and mm-hmm. he just got cooked. And that's how the Lakers almost caught caught up, mm-hmm. um, like a twenty plus point deficit because they had one bad matchup. One. Yeah. What are you going to throw at him, Michael Porter Jr.? <laughs> exactly. like, like like literally laughable exactly <laughs> right. i mean i mean i'm like i genuinely it's like it's like literally laughable the idea yep. of throwing michael porter jr at lebron james yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like nobody michael malone would probably laugh at the idea uh yeah no that's just that just isn't happening no. so because of that <laughs> you can't have multiples of these these mismatches mm-hmm. um it, it especially at the wing it's just going to get exploited relentlessly so you have to hope ivy and or whitmore figures it it out mm-hmm. if if we were to go the whitmore direction whitmore has a lot more to figure out but if it comes together mm-hmm. you're looking at this third option that would really make a three-headed monster that um could be very very difficult to to game plan for yep it could be yeah even and if, if even whitmore if, never yeah. gets to the sorry uh even if whitmore never gets to the point where he's constantly or he's a a big volume creator for others we have Caden ivy in theory they're going to be doing the load of that between the two of mm-hmm. them especially mm-hmm. um when we're hopefully competing so whitmore in that case He's play finishing. He's exploiting those matchups that are created for him with his size and athleticism, and he's catching open shots and making them. That's yeah. a recipe for a mm-hmm. tremendous offensive attack that could yep. really push us to that next level. But it, yeah. the defense and the other offensive toolkit pieces have to come together to a higher degree than what Hendricks has to do. Hendricks has 
much further to go to be that type of offensive force if he's ever even going to get there. But the floor is so, so high. The defensive yeah, the potential is so high. So yeah. that's that's my pitch. I'm a big Hendricks fan. I rest my case. Yeah, I'm feeling better about Hendricks the more I think about him. And, you know, the more tape I watch on him, I'm, I'm just thinking more and more highly of him. Of course, the question is the ceiling, of course. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's going to be a real indication of how the front office is thinking. Yeah, with Whitmore, definitely Ivy struggled. I mean, Ivy struggled in the pick and roll in college, yeah. even in the NCAA. And he had a lot of trouble. I mean, it was not for any lack of effort. He just had a lot of trouble making decisions. And if you have two guys like that, it's not just additive, like one plus one bad defense. It's multiplicative. Yep. I mean, it becomes a huge problem. If you just have one guy who's struggling on defense in the postseason, it's like, okay, maybe you can protect him. If you have two, then you're in big trouble. And and Whitmore, just his ability to make decisions in the NCAA, it's like, at times, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. seriously. Like, no, why, it's why is this? Yeah, it's like, why... Uh, you know, and, and again, we can talk about this more like uh, when, uh, you know, when, when you know, in, in a more with more specific conversation. But it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you making these decisions on defense? Like, what is going through your head? And is this an experience? Is this a guy? It's I don't think it's for lack of caring. Is this a guy who just doesn't have the acumen? like a Marvin Bagley type where it's like, you're just going to make bad decisions. You cannot put him next to Ivy. I think that Ivy might get to the point where like Reggie Jackson was in his first season with the Pistons, where it's like you're, you don't have good defensive acumen, like the good defensive decision-making, but you work hard enough that you're just a below average defender. Yeah. I think Ivy can get there. And if Ivy is the only guy in your starting lineup who's like that, then you might be fine. If you have another guy like that, like Whitmore, and you have both of them and they're on the wing, then your defense is unhinged. And you have to worry about Whitmore as well as a shooter. But like like you said, there's the upside. Like in an offense where where Cade and Ivy are, are generating all the attention, and you have Whitmore just kind of like attacking closeouts and Whitmore attacking mismatches, you know. And of course, cuts aren't a huge source of offense in the NBA, but they're useful. Of course, I think Hendricks is better at that because he's taller and, yep. and comparably athletic. At least uh, in that capacity, he's comparably athletic. But yeah, so it's it's just so much of a question. And then you have Grady Dick, where it's like, okay, you can shoot your jumbo shooter. Yeah, but that's about it. He's like Michael Porter Jr. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I don't think that's a bad comparison. Uh, and hopefully, he's not as dumb as Michael Porter Jr., who is just a hopefully remarkably stupid. Hopefully, his back is healthier. I was gonna say. Yeah, that too. Michael Porter Jr. is a remarkably stupid NBA player. He's a, he's a really good three point shooter when he's when he's on. But my goodness, does that guy take some idiotic shots? I got to see it in person. And again, this is not like any more valid than seating on television, but it's like when you see Michael Porter Jr. dribble into a contested uh, mid-range pull-up from literally right in front of the, right inside the three-point line, which is the worst shot in the half court outside of like taking a shot from the logo. He can't pass. He makes dumb decisions on defense. He's remarkably dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the most overpaid players in the league. He landed in a situation where Denver couldn't afford to let him go. And mm -hmm. his agent, exactly. to his credit, got him paid. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Maybe yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll have this kind of player being like, I don't feel like I deserve this salary right now. <laughs> no <laughs> you know, I feel like I really need to improve before you pay me this much. How many digits? <laughs> uh, what'd you say? Sorry. How many digits? 
how many digits yeah it's like i feel like it's just not enough but yeah i just don't provide enough right now so yeah it i'd say those are the two likeliest picks i mean weaver can come out of left field and trade down or just take somebody we really don't expect like a leonard miller type and we can talk about him later like somebody who's quite a bit rawer with higher potential but it's just a question of and this would have been the same thing with scoot and miller we would have seen does this team really want to look for right now or do we want to take scoot and figure it out you know that right. that would have been the real question and it's similar mm-hmm. now i'm feeling like it's almost kind of like a you know if we had to pick between Hendricks and whitmore it would almost be kind of like a 50 50 i feel like yeah i i feel very split on it myself um some people feel much more confident one way or another some people like i said really into jarris walker we've got a couple people in the discord really into the thompson twins um Osar is not going number five. <laughs> I feel confident in that. You know, I I will um, I will definitely humor the idea of buying uh, one of the Osar stands a jersey if, if he goes five. But um, I'd be shocked. I'd be more shocked at a, a Osar than Miller um, personally. And, because, and Miller, yeah. The, Miller seems like the spicy meatball that Troy always seems to get hooked on where it's like, well, if everything really comes together, he could be awesome. You're talking Whitmore, not Miller. No, I'm I'm talking about Miller. Oh, Leonard Miller. Gotcha. I thought you meant, yeah, never mind. It's my bad. Oh, yeah. There's two Millers. I'm talking about Leonard Miller. Yes, they both turn uh, wheat into grain. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. A little profession joke there. That, that's what a Miller is. It is. Yes, indeed. So, so yeah. I, I here just to be in contrast, I I'll say Hendricks to close, close it out. Yeah. Just, just going with the guy with the, the defensive versatility mm. and three point, the really high level three point shooting off the catch. Yeah. And issues inside the arc, unfortunately. I mean, his, his athletic measurables, just in terms of anthrometrics and basic athletics, are very good. I mean, all yeah. around very good. He's got the ethos, you know, the Detroit ethos, so to speak, for what that's worth, the work ethic, mm-hmm. the the defensive IQ switchability. Uh, and uh, Whitmore is, yeah, again, higher upside, but far more questions. So yeah. it'll... You know, we got five and a half weeks. This is one of the painful things. We had five and a half weeks before between the end of the season and the lottery. We get another five and a half weeks until the draft. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's going to be a wait, put it that way. Yes. Yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts? Um, closing thoughts are buckle up. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. My, my closing thoughts are it was a disappointing outcome, but... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of unexpected things happen in the NBA, particularly in the draft. You yeah. never know when you pick somebody who looks like they not necessarily a risky pick, but somebody. I just keep coming back to Donovan Mitchell for some reason, <laughs> where it's like you just you just end up getting a lot more than you expected out of a draft pick, and it's not necessarily usual or unusual. So while it was a disappointing outcome. Don't count out the possibility, and I'm not saying this just out of copium. Never count out the possibility that you draft somebody who turns into a lot more than you expected that he would. Or so. 
draft yeah. somebody who turns out to be a lot less than you expected. <laughs> Thank you. Jeez. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. that's Sorry. more likely. Yeah, it's more likely to happen in the top, you know, out of those top picks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, so that will be it for today's episode. Uh, like I've said, keep your head up, folks. Was not the outcome we were hoping for. Might seem a little bit unfair after a 17-win season, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Entirely possible that this pick will be, could be more than we, you know, much more than we would expect upon first glance. So, yep, thanks for listening, folks. Catch you in the next episode.